You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. So a couple of years ago, a little over two years ago, almost two and a half years ago, I ministered on what I'm going to minister on today, and it's going to come out different. I've got some different nuances involved in it. Uh, but I'm going to talk about what I call levels of love. Liz calls it the love ladder. I don't like that as much as levels of love. So if she ministers it, she can share, she can call whatever she wants. But um, this is something that the Lord just downloaded to me at, at one point, and it just really became a revelation to me. And that is that there are different levels of love that we operate in. Now, God only has one level of love, and it's the highest form of love. Uh, it's a love that has no strings attached to it. Uh, it's what we know as agape kind of love. And so the Lord doesn't withhold anything from us, and he operates at that highest love all the time. But how many of you all know that we don't always operate at the highest level of love all the time? Can I get a few head nods in here? Amen. And so to understand, you know, kind of some different levels of love, it, it really it really can help you in relating to people and really, really relating God's love to people. And this is something that you can grow your capacity in. So everybody has the ability to change and to move beyond where they currently are. And I can promise you there's not a human being on the face of the earth that operates in God's kind of love perfectly. But every person has the choice to be able to advance in this. And there's so many scripture verses that reveal to us the importance of God's love, the power of his love. I mean, everything that he did was because he loved us. He didn't, he didn't send, God didn't send Jesus to the earth out of pity. He sent Jesus to the earth because he genuinely loves us. Some people can have pity like, well, I better help them out or they're going to be in a tough jam. And that is true. If God hadn't sent Jesus, we would have been in a really tough jam. But he sent Jesus to display his love for us in the ultimate way by laying down his life. And I'm going to show you some verses here in just a moment, but we're actually called to live at the same level of love that Jesus lived at. Now, nobody, nobody is supposed to have an atoning sacrifice, okay? Jesus already paid the sacrifice. Nobody, thank God, nobody has to do that because he paid it all, and it's complete, and it's finished. Nevertheless, the heart that was in him displayed to his disciples, displayed to all those he ministered to, and ultimately all of humanity, that heart belongs in us. We're supposed to carry that same reality of God's love. And so really where this starts, and I'm not going to get into this part too much today, but really where this starts is in our own ability to receive God's love uh, personally. And so we're not able to give out something that we don't have. We've heard that said before. You can't, get, you can't give away something you don't have. And so we have, and I believe that we do have God's love in the sense that he loves us unconditionally. But I'm talking about having a revelation, a working knowledge, an experiential knowledge of the love of God. You can't give away something that you haven't had or experienced yourself. So the very first step in being able to really walk in love towards people 
is experiencing God's love for yourself. And, and I've, over the years, I've had different seasons where I've, I've experienced God pouring out his love, uh, uh, on me. And every time he does in a real, uh, personal and tangible way, it changes me. It changes me from glory to glory and from glory to glory because there's nothing more powerful than when you feel like you're at your worst and God shows up and gives you his best. I mean, that's one of the most incredible things. And I've had, I've had multiple times where I was, you know, driving down the road, uh, dealing with things. It usually seems like when I'm driving my car, dealing with something, uh, maybe even a little woe is me, uh, having a bad attitude or just really displeased with myself, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, God will show up and begin to tell me how much he loves me. And you know, the thing about God's kind of love is that he doesn't ever withhold love. Sometimes we withhold love from people. You ever had somebody aggravate you so much that when you got around them, you just, you, you might not have said it, but you were thinking, I'd really just like to jack your jaw. You know, there's <laughs> not anybody in here, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> and so then we end up withholding love from them. You know, we feel like, well, I'm not going to punch you. So that's my level of love. But, you know, but then we, we don't give them, you know, Jesus said to bless those who curse, curse you. To, you know, to pray for your enemies. And so that's the attitude we're supposed to have. Well, the only way you can do that is if you've had God's love shed abroad in your heart in a real, tangible, and personal way. We have, we can have a knowledge of God's love without having an experience of God's love. They're two, they're two very different things. It would be like if you, if you had the, you know, the dad that would say to his kid, like, I love you. But then he's always gone all the time. He's always busy doing everything. He never plays baseball with him. He never hangs out with him. He never teaches him anything. That child could have a knowledge of the love that the father has for him, but not an experience of it. And I'm here to tell you today that God not only wants you to have knowledge of his love, he wants you to experience his love. Um, first, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 3. I wasn't going to go here, but I'm going to go here really quickly anyways. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse uh, 19, I believe it is. And it says, and I'm trying to remember it, even though I've probably quoted it 300 times, and this is really drive home the point I'm, I'm making here, because it's incredible that we, we know God's love, that we have an experience of God's love. And so here it is. The pro here's the problem. I keep complaining about this every week. My old Bible's getting rebound, and I can't find anything in, in this thing. It's the same version, but it's... Anyways, okay, so here we go. It says in verse, actually it's verse 17. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, we're supposed to be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let me ask you a question. If it passes knowledge, how can you know it? Let me read that again. It says, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. What this is talking about, it's talking about uh, an, an just a knowledge and knowing versus an experience. It's knowledge versus experiential knowledge. And he's saying, and he's praying that you would experience the love of Christ in an experiential, personal way that passes your mere understanding. And I can tell you that this is something that God absolutely wants for every single person 
for them to know that he loves them on a personal level. And I could, and, and I'm just going to say, God absolutely loves you on a personal level. All right. So we're going to jump into this and talk about these, these levels of love. And I want to go to John chapter 13 and verse 34, John 13 and 34. It says a new commandment. I give to you, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, I'm going to stop right there and say, we have missed this. I'm not necessarily pointing out anybody in this room, but the church as a whole has missed this. We've had a great emphasis on exploits and we, what God can do and miracles and this and all, all of the whatever, the churchy stuff. And when it gets down to just like bare bones, the Lord would say to us, how is your love for other people? Because if it's not good, then you're not giving a very good representation of who I really am. And, you know, that's kind, of a re, that's kind of a reality check for us. And we should step back and ask the question, Lord, how is my love walk towards other people? And, you know, sometimes I'll find myself not walking in love like I need to. And, you know, really where it comes back to, it's not that I need to have a knowledge of it. It's that I need to go back and experience more of God's love. It says that the Holy Spirit is pouring out the love of God in our hearts. And the, the deal is, is that if he's pouring it out, you just need to get positioned for the poor. <laughs> if you got a, if you have a whole, you know, an endless pitcher somehow of water that you're pouring out, you can pour it out. But if there's no cup there to contain it, you're not going to catch any of it. We need to position ourselves for the love of God to be poured out in us constantly. It's supposed to be a constant communication with the Lord that we go back to him and say, Lord, sometimes I'll just go to the Lord and say, God, I'm not really feeling your love right now. And we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't walk by feelings. I get that. But you know that God gave you feelings? He gave you emotions. Emotions are a good thing. You should feel God in your emotions. We feel a lot of other garbage in our emotions. Why shouldn't we feel God in our emotions? And so I think when you go, this is what I think, when you go into prayer, that you should, you know, sometimes you start off and you don't feel anything. Most of the time when I start off in prayer, even reading the scriptures, I don't feel anything. I don't have any warm fuzzies. I'm not really excited at that moment about what's going on. But as I begin to pour out my heart and open myself up to the Lord and say, God, I just, I just want you to speak to me and minister to me. I need a touch from you. Bam. Next thing I know, I begin to experience the Lord. I'll hear his voice. This is one of the greatest things that you can ever come into is, is being able to know God on a personal level. Because I've, I've said this for years. I'll be like, God spoke this to me. He told me this. And people will say, well, you say you hear God. What does his voice sound like? Like, how do you describe what somebody's voice sounds like? You have to experience what it sounds like. But I will tell you this. It's the most loving, awesome, holy, profound incredible thing that could ever happen to have the creator of heaven and earth speak to you personally. And the truth is, is that he wants to, he, he longs to be with us. You, you don't give up your own life. You realize that Jesus came from heaven and he gave up the, uh, the ease of heaven. I've never been there before. So I don't really know how easy it is, but it seems like you would not have, to, it doesn't have any problems in it. That I know for a fact because the Bible tells us every tear will be wiped away and the sorrows and turmoil, all that stuff's gone. Jesus left that to come to earth, not out of, out of, out of obligation, but because he loved us. 
plain and simple. And the religion has come in and messed stuff up and really made people feel like they got to perform if they're going to really experience and have God's love. You don't need to perform for God to love you. God already loves you just like you are. You don't have to clean yourself up. That's what you call the gospel. It's the, it's, it's the nearly too good to be true news. It's really too good to be true, but because it is true, we have to say it's nearly too good to be true. The fact that God, who sees us in our humanity, sees us in sin, would choose to look past all of that and say, I want to have fellowship with you. It's incredible. And not just for the sake of going, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay the price so you can go to heaven. He literally wants to have fellowship and intimacy with us on a day-to-day basis. All right, so here's this. And this verse, going back to verse 34 of John 13, it says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Jesus is setting the standard for what love is supposed to look like. Now, if you go back and you read this in context, this is the Last Supper. This this whole passage, this whole chapter of John 13 has rocked me for years because I look at how Jesus loved the disciples and I've pretty much had to come to the reality year after year that I'm not at his level, but I'm shooting for his level to be there all the time. And you say, well, what kind of level was he at? He was at this kind of level. (laughs) He's there with the disciples and he says, one of you is going to betray me. And, and actually, before he said that, he knew that, and he got down on his hands and knees, and he washed their feet. Then he says, one of you is going to betray me. And the disciples are like, is it, who is it? Which one of you is it? And it was just, it was just the, you know, the small number of disciples there. So they're like, who, who, who is it? You know? And so, of course, we know this, as the story goes, it was Judas. You know, what Judas did was one of the most disgusting things that any human being has ever done. You have the king of glory, the creator of heaven and earth, God himself in the flesh, in the form of Jesus, there with him, he performed miracles, signs, wonders, loved them, everything that he did. And he offered his kingdom to them simply for believing. And Judas basically said, I'm gonna trade all of that for 30 pieces of silver. You talk about high treason. Judas turned in Jesus for money. God himself, Jesus. Now, nothing, none of that stuff happened without God allowing it. Nobody nailed Jesus to the cross. Jesus allowed it. I mean, they did, but I'm saying he allowed it. He didn't, nobody killed him. He gave, it says that he gave up his spirit. He chose to die. That was a choice that he made. But what an incredible thing that Judas did. And Jesus knew that Judas was going to do it because at the, at the end of this chapter in John chapter 13, I'm trying to paint a picture here. He tells Jesus after he had dipped, uh, dipped the bread and he gave it to Judas saying that he was the one that was going to betray him. He said, whatever you're going to do, just do it quickly. Let's get this show on the road. Let's get this thing over with. Jesus knew that he was going to betray him and he still ate supper with him and washed his feet. After Jesus did that, he said, this I've done for you, you have to do for each other also. What was he saying? He was saying to love people unconditionally. I have to be honest with you. That really messes me up. 
because I have to keep coming back and checking myself and realizing that at times I've had a critical spirit, at times I've had thoughts about people that weren't of God, at times I've withheld love from people, at times I haven't given people love like they really are supposed to have from the Lord. Come on, if we're being honest, every person in here has experienced this, yet the Lord gives them a command right here, and he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. You say, well, what's the measure of love we're really shooting for? That kind of love that you could lay down your entire life. Not for somebody who is awesome to you, but for somebody who's treated you like garbage. And I'm telling you, this is next level. Let me give you five levels of love. I'm going to give you level five and then four, three, and two, and one. And we're going to work from the bottom up to the top. And these are what I believe, just from my studies and just being alive and being with the Lord. These are five levels of love. And the first one is what I would consider a level of love, but it's a low level of love, and they get higher as we go. So this is number five. Here's love level number five. Again, this is the lowest level of love. If you go below, if you go below this level in terms of how you treat people, it probably would just be considered hate or something like that. Number five is simply to recognize people as humans created in the image of God. This is like the lowest level of of love. You have to at least start there, that you recognize people as humans created in the image of God. Do you know if, if, uh, if Hitler had seen this, had known this, the Holocaust never would have happened? And we could go on down the list of all kinds of evil people that have done evil things, and if they had just seen the other human beings that they were around associated with, that they were just as much created in the image of God as they were. It's the very base level. You could say it like this. Peter tells us to honor all men. There's a level of love for people that when they come in our midst, it doesn't matter how rotten or crooked or how dirty they have done you, whatever it is, you should treat them with a level of honor simply because they have breath in their lungs. Because if you don't, you're actually coming against God's highest form of creation, which is humanity. Now, I'm not saying that there's not some scoundrels that don't need to be put in prison and some different things like that. I thank God that we have a prison system to deal with some of the knuckleheads that are out there doing the crazy things that they're doing. All right, so I'm not, I'm not saying that. But in terms of what's going on in here, how you see people, how you think about people, are you willing, and I don't think you need to go pray for everybody, but are you willing to at least find that person or see that person that has treated you so poorly, would you be willing to pray for them? Because if the answer is like, no, I just, I just can't do that. Well, then you probably have some unforgiveness in your heart. And that becomes a root of bitterness, and that will rise up, and that will defile all the people in your life. You'll mess your life up if you stay in that place. And this is, so this is so basic and easy for me. It doesn't matter what people have done to me. I'll always look at them and go, you're another human being. And I honor the fact that you have breath in your lungs, even though you're a dishonorable, distasteful human being. I wouldn't say that to them, but that might be true. I will still at least honor them on that level. I've, we, in ministry, and I'm not going to go into the stories, but we've had, we've had terrible things done to us. I've had people, every year I've been in ministry, I've had people tell lies about me. bold face lies. Usually they're jealous of the God in me, and so instead of surrendering, they just come against what God is doing. And so it's so, anyways. 
But you know, I've, I've been able to walk in love with those people that at times I've actually forgotten what they did to me. I just knew I was like, I'd see them and be like, something's not right here. What? And, and then later I'd be like, oh yeah, they did that thing to me. It's, it's just kind of like whatever. Like, why do I want to sit and harbor anything towards anybody? It's not going to help them. It's going to hurt. I mean, it's not going to hurt them. It's going to hurt me. Uh, Joyce Meyer said this, and I thought this was a great statement she made. She said that being offended is like drinking poison, hoping it will affect the other person. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really that, that ignorant of us to be like that. So when you, when you see people, every human being, because they're made in the image of God, should at least be recognized as people, as humans created in the image of God. Um, number four, uh, and this is one of my favorite ones. This is, this is where I really started to bring love into the church. Don't you guys love, love the love that's in this church? It's the same in Bonterre too. There's a love that's here. That was by intention. It was, it was not by default. We didn't just stumble in here and just all love one another. We got very intentional. And I had to kick some devil butt for quite a few years to get it like this. Collectively, several of us did. But I just got like the only thing I'm hard-nosed about is when people treat other people bad. Because it's the thing I see in the word that God gets real hard-nosed about, that the apostle Paul got real hard-nosed about, is when people treat other people bad. We're not supposed to do that. So this is level number four, all right? This is the next level up, is that we have to put up with one another. Which means I don't necessarily like you, but I'm, go- I'm going to tolerate you. And, I- and I'm going to tolerate you in love. I'm going to tolerate you in love. Ephesians 4 and 1, it says, uh, Therefore the prisoner of the Lord... Uh, uh, beseech you, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness. He's writing to the Ephesian church with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing, you can underline that word bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. It takes some endeavoring on our part to stay in unity with people. Unity does not happen automatically. It doesn't happen accidentally. It requires us to be intentional. But that word bearing, if you go and look it up, it literally means to put up with. Have you ever had somebody in your life that not by your choice, they were just in your life and you had to learn to put up with them a little bit? Well, when we're called, especially, you know, as a church, and this is where it got real, really real for me. And I began to minister on these things years ago that you have, if you've been baptized in under the same Lord with, you know, it says there's one faith, one Lord, one baptism. If you keep reading down on this, this passage here in Ephesians 4, it's putting everybody on the, the same level. Everybody's put on the same plane. It doesn't, have, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what family you came from. It doesn't matter where, what country you're from, the color of your skin. None of that matters. When you've been born again, everybody's put on the same level. The only problem is, is that even though we get born again, we come in and have a relationship with Jesus, most of us still deal with, I don't want to say stupidity, but it's pretty much what it is. And it's always on the other person, isn't it? It's always that person. This started back in the garden. Remember? God came to Adam and he's like, it's the woman you gave me, Lord. And then God's like Eve, and he's like, it was all Satan's fault, right? People have been playing this blame game for a long time. You know a big part of the problem that people have when they're not in unity? You. (laughs) When you have people that you're not in unity with, sometimes you are the problem. 
Yeah, Liz is going dun dun dun. <laughs> I mean, come on, every, everybody. It's but the thing is, is that like pride would be like, it's not me. They said something bad. Okay, well break the chain. Go up and hug them and love them anyways. Even if you don't have the warm fuzzies, do it and watch what God can do with that. You have to learn. You just have to learn to put up with people. I've had people for years. <laughs> people in this church for years. Not really. Okay, but. You know, just in ministry and different things in different circles or whatever, just in life, you have people that you're around and think, man, are they ever going to grow up? Are they ever going to stop this, that, or the other? And you just got to this, have to come to this point, especially for those that, are, that you're, you're in covenant with because of the blood of Jesus. You go, I'm going to put up with you in love. You wouldn't say that to him, but you think that way in your heart. You're worth putting up with. Because the truth is one day and all, all, when we're in heaven... We'll just be together, and we won't have to put up with anybody anymore. And when it comes down to it, we'll get there, and you guys will see that I'm right. And so it's just sim simple as that. It's a joke, okay? Please, just it's fine. All right, level number, th level number three. Remember, we're working in reverse order. We went five, four. Here's level number three is preferring, preferring one another. And this is basically, I will promote you before I promote me. I'll take care of your needs so you're going from just like, okay, I'm going to put up with one. It's going from like, you know, okay, yeah, you're a human to, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to tolerate you to, you know, what? I'm going to start to prefer you. It's a higher level of dishing out the love of God. And so it's, again, putting other people's needs ahead of your own needs. Now, this is in uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. This is the Amplified. We may not have that up on the, the screen. I'm not sure. Galatians 5 and 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit and the, the amplified is, is amplified. It's, it's, no, I'm not going to say that. Yeah, it's the, it's, I heard someone say this recently. It's the, it's the woman's Bible because it uses twice the number of words to say the same thing. But, <laughs> boo, but God loved women so much that he gave them their own Bible. Somebody say good catch. All right, forgive me, I, forgive me. You have to forgive me, I'm ministering on love, you have no choice. All right, it says, but the fruit of the spirit, uh, uh, the result of his presence within us is love, and then it defines love here, unselfish concern for others. Just simply just having a concern for other people and preferring them, that's level three. Level two, Level two is what we would call brotherly love. Ever heard of the word uh, phileo before? The word phileo? That's where uh, Philadelphia was named from, the Greek word phileo. And, of course, it's called the city of brotherly love. I think it has a lot of murder there, so I don't know if they're living up to their name. But that's where that came from. Um, and so it just simply, this is, this is affection. And I had, the Lord had to really, really work on me uh, concerning this because naturally I'm not I'm not really super affectionate. And there's been several people that are like, it's, it's awkward hugging you. And I'm like, I know, I'm, I'm working. I'm working through it, all right? And so, and it's not always just about hugging people or whatever, but it's about having that, it's about having the warm fuzzies for them in your heart to where when you look at them, you look at them through the eyes of Jesus and, and you just see them and you think, I would just do anything for you. Man, you're just, and that's, that's even, this is where, 
this is where prophesying over people properly. This is where this gets stemmed from because then you start to see them the way that God sees them. You'll have the affection of God for them and then you'll start to call out what's true about what God says about them instead of just what you see in front of your eyes. And it's, we need people to rise up and be more kind and tender. And there's a bunch of verses, which I don't have time to get into, but we need people to be that way more and more all the time. Now you might be like, well, I'm not, I'm not much of a hugger. Then find another way to be affectionate towards people because you're called to it. You're called to look at people. And even if it's just with your eyes and a handshake, find a way to embrace them in the, in the love of God, find a way to really show them that you, you care about them. Amen. Romans 12 and 10 says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference, preference to one another. So again, we have commands, we have instruction to do this. And the reason for talking about these levels, I'm going to hit number one right here. The reason we talk about these levels is to begin to process and think, where am I at? Where am I at in this thing? Am I at this place to where I can even like, especially for some people that I can barely look at them and identify them as human beings. Because if you're below that, you really need to up your game. Especially if you call yourself a believer, a believer in Christ, you need to come to this place where you say, I at least have to look at people and realize that they're part of humanity and I don't have a right to hold anything against them. You know that Jesus had the right to hold things against us. God had the right to hold things against us, but he chose not to. Therefore, us previously being sinners before we came into Christ, do not have the right to hold anything towards anybody. I remember driving down the road many years ago, probably almost 20 years ago, and I had this epiphany. It just hit me. It, it really was the Lord who spoke to me. He said, you don't, have, you, don't, you don't possess the right to hold anything against anybody. If I have forgiven them, who are you to hold any kind of judgment or ought? in your heart against them. And that, that, from that point on, it set me straight. I'm not saying I've done it perfectly, but it set me straight as far as my thinking. We have to get this thing right. All right, here's level number one, and we could spend so much time on all of these, but I really believe that just understanding this can really help you begin to see differently concerning where, where am I at in this thing? And the number one level is, you could call it agape, but a lot of these things have a level of agape running through them, all of these levels. But we could phrase it like this. It's laying down your life. It's laying down your life. And remember, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus had to lay down his life or chose to lay down his life for Judas. That's what happens when you mix Jesus and Judas together. <laughs> he chose to lay down his life for Judas. So it's, it's, it's easy to lay down your life for somebody that's easy to lay down your, your life for. But where it shows whether it's love is when you'll do things, serve people, bless people, honor people. Sometimes if I've had somebody that's, that's really done me wrong and I want to protect my own heart, I'll send them some money. I did that not long ago. I had somebody do something that wasn't right to me, and so I gave them some money. I never told them. I just said, man, I just want to, I just want to bless you. And that was in faith. I didn't want to, but I, I, but I, I wanted things to be right here, so I gave them, I gave them $100. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, what do I got to do to offend you? <laughs> <laughs> Your grandfather in, you, it won't work, okay? Uh, Luke 6.32 says, but if you love those who, who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. 
The greatest measure of love is when you can love people completely in proportionate to their performance. You simply just love them because God is love and because God lives in you. It's just what you do. One time I bought, a, I bought this trailer and it was so small, I, we were pulling behind the expedition, I couldn't even see it. But anyways, uh, I, I had to get some taillights and put on there, to had brake lights or whatever, and so I show up with a handful of tools to buy the trailer and the lights and put it on there. And I'm like, man, I don't have what I need here. And this, this guy stops, and he's like, what do you need? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to do this. Okay, and he crawls under the thing, the trailer, and he's wiring, doing all this stuff. I'm like, this is my project. And gets it done, turns it on, it works great. I said, man, thank you. And I said, how much do I owe, I owe you? He said, you don't owe me nothing. I said, no, no, I'm happy to pay you. I mean, I, I probably would have really struggled if you hadn't been here to help me. He, and he gets in the car, his truck, and he shuts the door. And I said, I said, man, I'm happy to pay you. He goes, no, it's just what people do. And then he <laughs> drove off. It's almost angry that I kept trying to pay him. But it really spoke to me. You know, there's things that people just do. And there's things that Christians just do. And having ought, offense, any kind of issue towards anybody else is not something that Christians do. We rise above all of that stuff and choose to love people because Jesus loved us. So we have to come back to this place. And the Bible says, and I kind of mentioned this, let me just say it, John 15, 13. It says, greater love has no man than this, than he lay down one's life for his friends. And then Jesus went on to say, you're my friends, that's why I'm, I'm laying my life down for you. But it's the highest level of love. At the end of, in John chapter 13, I'm going to go back and read a couple verses and then we're done. John 13 and 34, it says, a new commandment I give to you, we read this already, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, verse 35, all, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. But then verse 36, listen to this. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, uh, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Sounds like the God kind of love, doesn't it? Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. So you know what this was? This was, this was Peter hearing Jesus talk about love quite a bit and what it really looked like to love and to lay down your life and, and you know, Jesus washed their feet and all this stuff. And Peter's like, I'll follow you, Lord, anywhere. I'll do anything for you. Jesus was a prophet, remember? And he, he I guarantee you, he could see right into Peter's heart. We know this. <laughs> he said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. That night, you're going to deny me. Peter was not self-aware enough to realize where he was at in his level of love. He had good intentions, but he didn't, he didn't have what he needed to have the follow-through. Fast forward to John chapter 21. <laughs> After everything transpired, the denial and all that, Jesus said to Peter, he said, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter responds and he said, you know I phileo you. I don't ha I'm not at the place of having the highest kind of love. 
This thing goes back and forth a few times, John chapter 21. Jesus asked a question like three times, and finally, <laughs> Peter said, Lord, you know all things, <laughs> and you know that I phileo you. I have an affection for you, but I'm not at the place where I would lay down my life for you yet. You and I both know that I'm not there. So why are you asking me this, Jesus? <laughs> and the reason was is because Jesus needed to ask the question that Peter wasn't asking himself, which is where am I really at in this thing and what do I need to do to get to the level to where I really love with the laying down my life kind of love? It's the highest level. And folks, I'm going to tell you it's the level that you're called to. You're called to live at that level. You say, well, that seems too difficult. Well, of course it is. But that's why God gave us his spirit to come and to teach us and to minister to us and to cry out in our heart, Abba, Father, for the purpose of, of, of us connecting and receiving his love so that we could really, truly give it out to other people. And something happened because if you look at the New Testament church, they did they did incredible things. And the 12 in particular, and many of them, but the 12 in particular, they all died a martyr's death. All of them. They had encounters with the Lord. I think you could take it back to the day of Pentecost and you could move forward from there. They had encounters with the Lord. This is why Jesus said, you don't really understand what I'm doing now, but you're going to understand because they hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. And if you go back and look at the day of Pentecost, Peter, pre-Pentecost was this. Deny, even to a little girl, denied, denied that he knew Jesus. And then after Pentecost, after he got filled with the Holy Spirit, he stood up right to the very people that crucified him, crucified him and said, because they said, you got to quit preaching Jesus. And they said, you know, basically, we won't keep preaching Jesus, the one whom you crucified. That's the one that we believe in. Something happened different on the inside of them, guys. And it's because they came in personal contact with the love of God. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.